like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Thanks, everybody, for coming back. Here is part two of my conversation with Richard and Michelle about Michelle's great book. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, so I'm reading um, Beyond Quality and Early Childhood Education, Languages of Evaluation. Um, three folks over in Europe have, have edited this collect or written this book together. Anyway, um, it's really challenging a lot of these um, sort of cultural the myth of standardization and that we it's something we can even achieve and um so it's the whole time i'm reading it i'm like uh but how do we get there (laughs) how do we get there um well and let's remember the roots of it right Mm -hmm. like the the this educational system that's based on standardization was born at a time when we were trying to produce mass workers Mm -hmm. uh, for mass employment and at that time that was a goal so that more people could survive. Mm-hmm. Um, that made sense. But now we have to relook at that and go, right. I'm not sure standardization in 2021 with <laughs> unprecedented problems that these future adults are going to be facing mm-hmm. um, is the best goal for us to have as a society. Mm-hmm. When you think about just the way that our society has gone and you know that if we continue to educate children like we did in the, you know, the, the 19th century for the 21st century, we're really setting them up for failure. Yeah. And, you know, there was a, at our locals farmer's market when that was a thing, there's a, a <laughs> woman who, who apparently makes her living making um, special marshmallows, you know? And I look and I'm like, wow, I bet she was a weird kindergartner. Good for you, honey. Like, I mean, that's, if you can make your living making, you know, concierge marshmallows or whatever it was. Right. That was a weird child, but that child was allowed to be weird. Right, right, yeah. And and that's absolutely wonderful because a lot of those jobs don't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. she had to make her own way. And if she was forced into standardization, she might be a really angry, upset adult right now. Yeah, 
and the world would not have fancy marshmallows. <laughs> yeah. And well, I want to live in a world with fancy, with fancy marshmallows. marshmallows. So the world I want to live in. And weird children. That's that's my world. Um, so Richard, I think it's like just today, and by the time this comes out, it won't be on your Facebook easily to find. But I think just today you posted something about getting away from the narrative of preparing children for good jobs, right. spending their whole childhood. And I again, I think that's where we get so tied up in um, behavior and conformity and obedience. It's part of that narrative, right? Well, if they're not, um, you know, compliant in preschool, they won't be compliant in school and then they're not going to be compliant in their job. And um, it just, it sounds miserable to me when, when we flip it that way. Well, I'll try hard not to open up a giant can of worms, but you know, I'm not very good at that. Right. Um, do what you need to do with your worms. Um, <laughs> wow. I need to get that on the t-shirt. I um, was going to say, hopefully it doesn't cut out, but that wasn't in my sex tape. <laughs> That's what I say. Um, okay. Oh, I think introducing you two to each other, was a, I'm realizing was a huge mistake. Go um, ahead with your worms. Come on. Oh, now I've forgotten. Um, what were you just saying, Heather? Good about the jobs. About preparing jobs. children for work. So I, I, I have to say that as I was posting that this morning, I was reflecting on my white male privilege mm -hmm. um, that undergirds that statement. Um, because there are a lot of people of poverty, and statistically that uh, it means uh, um, Black, Indigenous, and people of color, uh, primarily, mm -hmm. um, who, um, who were raised to believe that having a good job is the right goal for your child, right? Because your family has survived, mm -hmm. and so you are parenting with the goal of um, how do I help my child survive in this world? Well, they need to get a good job. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I want to just point out about that post that you're referencing, Heather. While I believe in that, sure. I, I also want to say that there, that there is, um, that there is an underlying thread of systemic racism and systemic oppression um, that's in that statement. Um, because those people who never get past the need for a good job um, just propagate that for generations. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you find this group of people who, um, who aren't uh, uh, educated to think critically and aren't educated to dream bigger um, or even consider selling marshmallows at a <laughs> farmer's market. They just want to survive. And the best way to be a parent to my child is to just help sure. them survive and get a good job. Yeah, that's a um, good point. But, um, but if you never break that cycle, then th there's a system in place which keeps those people from ever breaking that mm -hmm. cycle of thinking that the greatest goal is a good job. Right. Well, and, I, and I think there's kind of two things that, that sparked in me. And one is, unfortunately, that cycle looks to educate children for jobs that are probably not going to exist for much longer. Yeah. And, and so part of that is shifting that, like, absolutely. We also want your child to have a good job. Here's some things that we are doing now that are, so part of that is, is shifting that narrative a little bit because it is a valuable goal for mm -hmm. their child. Um, it shouldn't be the only goal is perhaps we need to expand mm -hmm. that. 
and some but unpacking also, of good job, like unpacking of what that means. But, what that means. Yeah. Um, and also, unfortunately, because of the way our country is, sometimes that's the only way to sell early childhood yeah. to a government is to say this is about workforce creation right. and making sure that a workforce is ready. Um, and, and but so I don't want to sell time, it to the government anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm done commodifying children for the, you know, for the purpose of making my point. But um, I mm-hmm. get what you're saying. That was just a little overflow. No, and you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm reminded of something that Michelle taught me 17 years ago when we were creating, um, you know, teacher professional development content together. And uh, I've never forgotten it, which is, you know, we often talk about, and sorry, I, I have an early childhood problem of my own. I have a young <laughs> dog that has suddenly taken on the behavior of barking. Uh-huh. Um, and I could put him in a timeout, but that's not going to work. No, that's you okay. just let him bark. Right. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, um, <laughs> we, were, we were back to me teaching you. Yeah, 17 years ago, oh, she was yeah, teaching yeah, you right, something. Right. Yeah, you're off. forgotten that. Mm-hmm. No. Um, I was making it up. You didn't teach me anything. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm kidding. She, yeah. um, we used to talk about kindergarten readiness, and Michelle created a whole unit about, you okay there, Heather? Yeah, little, okay. little gag, sorry. Um, life readiness. <laughs> and that she, yeah. Michelle would say that when she would talk with parents and ask them, she would make a list of uh, what do you want for your child? And they would never say to uh, write their letters and numbers. Mm -hmm. They would tell Michelle, um, I want them to thrive. I want them to be in a healthy relationship. You know, uh, I want them to, you know, be prosperous in their lives. Um, And so- I do that too. Huh? I do that too. Yeah. Right. But so- You know, again, some people think that a good job is where you hold the bar. But when you really look at the goal of early education through that lens that Michelle introduced me to all those years ago, you realize that it's, you can have both. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have a job that puts food on the table and you can also thrive as a human being. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal, perhaps, of good early childhood education. So, you know, I've ex- thank you. And I've, I've um, expanded that, like I do that with early childhood professionals now. I will often start trainings with your parents, and of course, many of them are. And I say, okay, let's just imagine that you are asked to drop your child off for eight hours a day with a group of strangers, because that's what we ask families to do every day almost. What do you want for that child? And of course, the, the two that always come out are love and safety. Mm. I mean, those are the the, the first two. And as we go through that list, the same thing happens. Very few people list obedience. (laughs) Very few people list, you know, getting the child to to sit crisscross applesauce. Those don't show up on the list. What shows up is love and safety and those kind of things. And helping, again, people realize that that's, we're meeting families' needs Mm -hmm. when we we start with those things. And I, I was doing that activity with some teachers and one of them, it was really interesting because we had gone on and we had started other, other parts of the training. And she, she came back like five minutes later and she's like, no, no, no. I don't want love for my child. I want my child to be adored. Aww. And I thought, what a powerful message for other teachers mm-hmm. that when families are at work, they need to feel that somebody is adoring their child and talk about relationships 
you know, and build in relationships with children. That idea that, you know, for at least a minute a day, that child feels like they're the center of that teacher's universe. Um, and, and how important that is. Mm-hmm. And, and again, bringing it back to challenging behaviors, when you start with that foundation of relationships and building strong and solid and reciprocal, respectful relationships, there will be fewer challenging behaviors. Mm-hmm. Well, get back I'm curious to get both of your opinions on, on this question or this topic. Um, two days ago, or three days ago, I posted on Zen something about obedience and how that's not the greatest goal. And there was a person who commented and said, this is bull dookie. Um, bull dookie. Something like I heard that. swearing was allowed. Yeah. Richard. Bull dookie. Um, 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 obedience is very important. And now I, I just want to point out to the nerd listeners and viewers that we're filming this at the end of the first week of January. And so this person, this person's comment came on Wednesday night, the day that our uh, capital was uh, Mm -hmm. um, under siege. Overrun, yeah. Overrun, yeah. I'm kind of resistant to the word siege, but that's a conversation. Right. Um, But yeah, overrun uh, with rioters. Uh And her point was that if these people had been taught to be obedient when they were young, they would not have... uh, uh, overrun the capital as adults. They would have fought, they would have respected laws and followed rules. Um, and so that seems to be logical on the surface, right? Mm-hmm. If this, mm-hmm. then that. And I wonder what you two think about that. How do we, how do we um, disavow people of that over what is to me overly simplistic thinking? Mm-hmm. I would go back to that bill of rights and, and the right to have power in your life. And that if obedience is your primary goal, then probably the other person in that relationship does not have much power. And that that need for power will come out. And whether that be, you know, picking up a chair and throwing it across a a classroom or overrunning a capital. um, and, and, And that's, again, an oversimplification of a long series of, of power struggles mm-hmm. and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, that need for power will come up. And so I agree that there are times that children need to be obedient. You know, when, when they are, you know, you've opened your door, the child runs out and is running towards the street and the parent yells, stop. They need to know that there are times <clears throat> for obedience. But there are always opportunities to teach that. Mm-hmm. And there are opportunities that that will come up. And so, you know, you, the, that balance of where does this child have some power in their lives? We all, we all understand that. And that grows within us when we have that opportunity for power. That means we also trust the adults in our life. And so when that adult does say stop, we stop. Because we recognize that that, um, that adult has our best interest in mind and that it's not just about obedience, it's about mm-hmm. safety and it's about well-being and all of that. And where I stand on that. Yeah, I don't know that there's a, an easy way to, 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 Im- to have any sort of impact on that mindset because it's so ingrained. Um, but we do have research that says that the children who 
you know, and so if I'm thinking about obedience, I'm thinking about punishment. I'm thinking about, you know, control from top down. And, and we do have some, some research that shows that that actually has the opposite effect and probably because of the power that you're talking about, Michelle. Um, but we also know that children learn by watching and experiencing, not by, you know, being told. So we can, we can tell them they need to be obedient. We can do things that are unpleasant when they're not obedient, but they're learning by watching us. And what they're learning is that when I'm bigger, I can do whatever I want. When I am the one with the power, then um, the rules don't apply to me. If I have a good reason, if I'm doing this for a good reason, um, then it's okay, whatever I do. And I think that's more what I saw. Um, and, I, and I don't want to turn this into a whole, uh, you know, political thing, but, but, you know, life is political. So that, that's what I saw when I was watching some of the, the, the coverage of that was these are people who think they have a good enough reason and finally have, and, and feel like they have that power. And, and that's why they're doing this. It's not about, uh, you know, whether they were spanked as a child or whether, um, I think, they you know, won't. I don't know. I've talked myself into a corner now, but, but I, I, I think there's, there's not really an easy way this, you know, it comes up a lot too. Well, you know, I was spanked as a child and that's how I learned. Or I had one teacher tell me when I was um, not allowing timeouts anymore in a program for school-age kids, well, that was the worst thing that could happen to me as a child. I would be devastated if I was put in a timeout. I was like, well, that's not what we're going for. <laughs> we're right, not going right. for devastation and, and sadness. We're going for helping <laughs> a child learn how to navigate this better or differently. And, um, so I just think it's such, it's got such a stronghold that I, that idea of obedience and that obedience comes from someone else inflicting power on me. Um, so that's so that really I interesting, to be obedient. Heather, because I think that you are, like you've said, you've talked yourself into a corner, but I think it makes a lot of sense where as a child, if I see an adult who has all the power over me, then I think that as an adult, I should have all the power. And when I don't, well then... I have, to right to to mm -hmm. I have every right to go get all the power that's due me Yeah. Um, for being an adult, for being a white male, for being what, whatever it is, that really could come from that relationship and from that, you know, early, that, that mm -hmm. young child seeing, oh, when I get to be an adult, I get to get all this power, mm -hmm. you know, because I don't yeah. have any right now. Yeah. Right. right. Um, Would you like then and well, I was going to say, so should we write all this up and put it on your response? Yeah. <laughs> Storm yes, Richard's Zen page. Yes, right. Please. Um, no, I was going to say, oh, goodness, it's left my brain. Um, oh, you know, Heather and I have had uh, conversations before, and Michelle and I have had separately over the years about Alfie Cohen mm -hmm. um, and, and that whole way of looking at the world. And one of the things that you hear when you talk about Alfie Cohen, uh, one of the first responses of resistance that you get right, is people who will say, well, but I'm rewarded by my paycheck. And if mm -hmm. I do something wrong at my job, I get punished because I get fired. And so rewards and punishments work, mm. right? And so to me, what's missing in there is an understanding, uh, once again, yet again, of child development, that um, yes, those things are correct in terms of adult learning theory and adult uh, behavior management, uh, but they're but it's a mistake to apply them to the first five years of life. Mm -hmm. Well, and what I, think, what I, oh, sorry, Michelle. <laughs> no, but I think Richard, the whole paycheck thing, I, I agree totally, but it, it exactly illustrates his point because how many of us 
go into a job so excited about it mm-hmm. and just wanting to do the work and being part of this. And, and by a year in, you're like, is it Friday yet? Mm-hmm. Or here comes Monday and when is payday? So it becomes about the reward mm-hmm. instead of about what you're doing. And that's exactly what in the first five years of life, yeah, we don't want it to be about. Yeah. Well, in, in, in my response to the paycheck, specifically because apparently that's comes up with Alfie Cohn is this paycheck idea. It absolutely does. does. Every Um, conversation. So, so my employer, cause I I need my paycheck. I'm highly motivated to get my paycheck. My employer could say, I'll give this to you if you can do a backflip, but if you can't do a backflip, I'm not going to give it to you. Mm. Well, I I'm highly motivated. I'm afraid of the consequences. I don't have the skills to do a backflip. That's not, that's not, not something that I can do. You don't. Come on. <laughs> not with this body. <laughs> but so, you know, there's just, there's, there's lots it's of a really good in point. that. And it's just the, you know, um, we, we, we seek to understand, we seek to make sense of the world and we stop sometimes at the simplest explanation and we don't go much further than that. So mm-hmm. rewards work, punishments work. That's a simple explanation. I don't have to go any further to, to think critically through that unless, you know, someone challenges me to do that. So that's where I'm going to land. And, um, and it's, it's difficult to, to, to work through that with some folks. Sure. And especially when you look at it in the short term. Yeah. Yeah. And instead of thinking through like, yes, it, it works in this moment. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for next week? What does that mean? You know, mm-hmm. and that's well, not an effective if, way. If it worked, why does it keep coming up? Like if it worked, you'd right. never have to address this behavior again because yeah. the reward worked today, but it, it's that's what I say about behavior charts. If it worked, you yes. wouldn't need it for more yes. than a week. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so. You know, but that said, one of the things we know about poverty uh, uh, and how people view uh, life uh, uh, when in poverty is that there tends to be a lack of future time orientation and a focus on present time orientation, getting through the Which again is survival. Right. Right. Yeah. So if I spank my child with the brush that my hairbrush that I keep in my purse, um, he's going to stop doing that behavior that he got spanked for. Mm -hmm. And so it looks like it worked. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can't really afford to think about the research about uh, how this is going to make drug use and uh, teenage pregnancy and dropouts and all these and gang membership and all these things more likely to happen in 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. All I know is right now it got me through the grocery store without embarrassing me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know any other way. Yeah. And that's part of it too, is when we say to teachers, you can't use time out. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, making sure that when we say, all right, time out isn't appropriate, here's why, here are seven different strategies mm-hmm. that can replace right. time out. Yeah, which, and be ready by the way, that. that's exactly what you do with your I was going to say, which you do in the books. <laughs> right? You don't really, tell them what not really to do. Really well. You explain right. to them the, what we call the competing behavior. Yeah. Or here's five <clears throat> other things you could have done to get that truck. Mm-hmm. And like, I really like to use the words effective versus ineffective. Instead of not, or what you can do, what you can't do, what, you know, what's good or bad. Sure. Is this effective in helping children manage their behavior and getting to what you want as a teacher, or is it less effective? Yeah. 
and let's let's focus on what's effective. Yeah. And so I can't think of a specific example right now, but this is, um, so I want to say this too about the book. Um, there were more than one spot. I wish I had an example now, cause it's going to sound weird where I read a sentence and I was like, Oh, I wish she hadn't said it that way. And then you very skillfully take it through to what you, you know, what, what you really meant. And, and what I'm thinking is, um, uh, so, so that's going to attract that's going to, that's going to sort of hook the folks who need the message. You start with that, like, and I, I'm not saying this is the example, but something like, well, kids just need to burn off their energy. So you start with something like that. And then by the time you're done with your discussion of that, that piece, you've got them to the point where this is what children need to serve <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and learn from best. Um, but, but you started with the way that maybe someone who's newer to this thinking would be thinking, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Well, and let me just say that is totally emblematic of Michelle Salcedo. <laughs> uh, if you are friends with Michelle Salcedo, here's what you learn very quickly. She's about to say something really weird that's not going to make any sense. But if you just let her finish, it's going to be brilliant. In the no, I feel like that's not exactly what I was saying. But it's true. She'll say something that's total sounds totally crazy. And you're just like, let her finish. And then yeah. by the end, your jaw's dropping. And you're like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Yeah. But you have yeah. to get, that's because she's weird. So that mm-hmm. starts out with this really weird thought and she's got to work her way through to help you see her point of view. Yeah. And that's yeah. part of why Michelle's so brilliant. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I think it's, um, it just really is well done. And, um, well, and thank you. you for it. Thank you for the book. Well, and you're I, welcome. I hope Can I bring this full circle back to the original quote? Would you please? Because we're at an hour. Okay. Oh, well, I'm going for an hour 20 at least. <laughs> okay. um, you don't, don't edit this shit. I'm telling you right now. I never now. edit. I'm too lazy for editing. <laughs> All right, um, no, the, the piece, the, the original quote, one of the things I liked most about it, when Michelle talked about leaving no stone unturned, she never said, and you said this, but I just want to kind of reiterate it. She never said to look at the flower. She said to look at everything around it. One of the very first trainings that Michelle and I created together all those years ago was, you know, because so uh, this idea of timeouts is about looking at a behavior and then uh, uh, delivering a behavior in response to it. And one of the trainings that Michelle and I came up with years and years and years ago was this idea is that you have to look beyond what's on the surface, the behavior, and you have to look at what we heard Michelle say in the beginning of this podcast, which is the developmental needs that mm-hmm. are at the roots All you're seeing is what's on the surface. You have to dig below the ground to understand why the flower is what it is. And so the brilliance to me of that first quote was that she wasn't even saying, look at the flower. Mm -hmm. She was saying, look at everything else that you're responsible for. The soil, the sunlight, the air, the nutrients. Um, Don't blame it on the flower. Don't even look at the flower. And to me, that that was really brilliant. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So if can you I tell the flower? Oh. If you do look at the flower, let's hope it's weird. Yeah, a weird flower at least. A yeah. Weird flower. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tell your story, Richard. Okay, I forgot the that story. part. Well, Michelle is like one of those flowers, you know, that only blooms every hundred years and stinks really bad. You know those ones? Wow. That's that's Michelle. Yeah, like they're danger. They're called death flowers or something. Yeah, Quotes that's not flowers, a story. Yeah, that's yes, not a that's story. Right. Yes. Huh. They're beautiful in their own unique way. Let's just leave it at that. All right. Um, okay. No, when, so when Michelle and I um, 
worked together all those years ago. Um, we worked for a corporation that shall not be named mm-hmm. um, during the years that in, that I have often referred to as the years I sold my soul to the devil. Yes. Um, but man, it was fun in hell with, with Michelle. <laughs> um, we had a great time. Um, and so it was a major corporate chain that had 1300 centers around the world. And we were in charge of the education department. And of the one of the smaller tasks we had when we had time, which was rare, was to do kind of secret shopper um, times. Um. And so we did a lot of traveling around the country. And on a few occasions, I just love this story, Michelle, I have to tell it. That's great. Um, is one of my favorite memories of life. If you want me to shut um, off his mic at any point, Michelle, just give me like a signal. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no. no this one okay. I won't. Okay. okay. Right. I mean, were we totally unprofessional? Absolutely. <laughs> did we break any laws? No. Um, that so no was quick. We'd go to these centers around the country and um, we would pretend to be a married couple mm. um, who wanted to enroll our child. And um, we. One of us was a great actor. <laughs> one of us was a great actor. Wait, which one? Oh. Me. To be married to Richard? Yeah. Yeah, that takes some acting chops. Yeah, That's true. Yeah, true. Um, but we would have so much fun on those secret shopper trips. Um, our um, made up son was, we would tell them, um, his name is Leaf, which is spelled L R E A F. The R is silent. <laughs> to differentiate him from the other Leafs. Right, right. And just watch how that poor, lovely director would try to keep a straight face and not totally judge our insanity. And then we had this little goal of trying to trip each other up. Oh my um, God. In those secret shopper missions. And so Michelle, like one time in the middle of a discussion with the director would say, um, oh, by the way, honey, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and I would have to react to that. And oh my God. And then you would have to try to not crack up. And also hope that they didn't know that we were the ones from headquarters. Sure. Um, but anyway, that sounds fun. That just tells you a little bit about mine and Michelle's. Yes, and I wanted we for the paycheck, but we had a heck of a lot of fun. Oh, we yeah. did. And my favorite moment from one of those visits was we were at a center and we were in the playground, and the teacher and this and this director was probably one of the better better ones that we saw. She was great, and she was talking about how social emotional because we were we always pushed on like oh, but how about kindergarten readiness and how about mm-hmm. this and. Um, and she was talking about social emotional development and she said something like, you know, well, what is the, you know, what is the value of great academics if your child can't get along with other people and is all wrapped up in themselves or something like that? And I said, oh, honey, just like you. And she, <laughs> she cracked up about it. We like to imagine these people talking about this visit, this couple right. that visited. The story over that you give table. someone yeah. to tell. Really, that's you how I frame my whole life. This morning. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh my God, we had so much fun. It was a great time. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. great. My, my whole life is a series of me thinking, is a, is a progression of me thinking, well, I hope that that gave someone a funny story to tell when they get home. Yeah. <laughs> that is my goal in life yep yes we have all, i think all three of us have given many people funny stories good stories all right well this has been wonderful thank you so much michelle all right wait i have to say something more oh my god i, I know i'm sorry and i don't have to have the last word because you women need to say something when i'm done but this is such a rare opportunity you're not my boss um um there are a few people that i've met across my life 
um, and Heather, you and I are not included in this group, oh, that okay. I consider as some of my favorite human beings <laughs> that like to me uh, are emblematic of where our evolution needs to take us as a species. They're just like great human beings. I'm too flawed. I'm not even in that category. But Michelle is absolutely um, at the, uh, I don't want to say she's at the top of that list, but she's um, on that very short list of great, great human beings um, that just always inspire me to um, improve as a human being and um, grow. Um, and Michelle, just in today's conversation, because Michelle and I have been friends for all these years, so we've had a lot of fun, foolish friend conversations, but we haven't had a really good professional early childhood conversation like this one in a long time. And I'm gonna try not to cry, but Michelle, I am so proud of you. Uh, I, have, I can see your growth and your mastery that you have um, attained since 17 years ago when we were together. And I just couldn't be more proud of you and love you more than I do right now. Thank you, Richard. Feelings oh. mutual. Oh, but I would also nice. say you set your standards a little low because if I was a evolution of human, I wouldn't have as much facial hair. <laughs> no, that's it. Yeah. It's, a, it's appropriate expectations. Especially after this <laughs> Not low. Pandemic. Stop shaving your legs. Let your armpits hair grow, pit hair grow women. That, All that, right. I don't need like a I pandemic need for that. From, yeah. Yeah. I need permission from you to do that. Hi, James. Oh, hi. Okay, so Richard's husband has joined the call. <laughs> That's my husband, James, who wanted to say hi to Michelle. And hi, hi, James. Well, okay. how Good. How are you doing? Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks. And you too, Heather. I love those glasses. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. Go on. Okay. All right. Bye, James. Sorry, we totally hijacked this show, Heather. I'm okay, back. that's fine. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up. So okay. thank you both. And thanks to everybody for listening. Um, I hope that you liked this one. Check out the book. It's uh yes. it's really, really a good read. Uncover and... the roots of uh challenging behavior from oh, yeah. free spirit. Let's say free that name again. Pub Uncover yes. the roots of uh, challenging behavior from free spirit publishing. Yeah. And I have a Facebook page, Teachers Gardener. I've been right. missing ponies. And, but, yeah. Thank you, Michelle, because usually I try to, to, to do that at the class, end. A college class in early childhood. Uh, Michelle's book is a great textbook to use for that class. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I agree. I'm trying to figure out how to get it in on mine. But, yep. Great. Um, okay, so really, we're done this time. That's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.